0: mate. I will say this about investing everything you do around a What I learned at 20 is Equity.
1: Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series of 2020 brought to you by Superhero who are offering $5 brokerage and $0 brokerage on ETFs here in Australia. Over 12 episodes, we're going to be diving into some of Australia's largest and most well-known companies, as selected by you, the Equitymates community. We'll be unpacking the company, its industry, the outlooks, and key financials, and in some instances, we'll also be taking the tough questions straight to the CEO. To do this, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro?
0: I'm very good, Bryce. I'm looking forward to this episode because it's a little bit different. The Equitymates community loves a specy stock. The last episode we did was a three hundred and eighty million dollars biotech company that wasn't profitable. Yes. Now we're going to talk about a $60 billion Australian giant that is profitable. I didn't
1: know Mates was listed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this will be an interesting one, a company that most people will have heard of and something that is probably on the opposite end of the spectrum Mm. um, to some of the other companies we've spoken about like Mm. Aroa or Adore.
1: Mm. And one that we have actually not really spoken about on the show at all in in too much detail. So looking forward to getting stuck into it. Before we jump into... Fortescue Metals. ASX ticker is FMG. A quick shout out to Daniel from the Equity Mates community who has done an excellent job with the research and analysis and uh, helping us build out this episode. So thank you very much to Daniel as always, the structure of this will be a review of the company, its operations, impact of COVID, its outlook, key financials, and then a valuation, which we can do because it's profitable. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. And uh, I will be <laughs> quizzing you about the iron ore price and what your forecasts are, nice. and that is going to be central to valuing this company. So I, I would, hope you've I would, done uh, your research.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I would say that my special skill is forecasting iron ore price, <laughs> so maybe luckily should, you've come to may- the same.
0: Maybe we should just completely rip off Hamish and Andy and get people to submit their investing special skills. Not so, bad. like, yours could be forecasting the iron ore price and also predicting which online retail stocks are going to pop and mine could be picking companies that are going to lose half their value as my stock of the year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mine would be being able to guess eight of 10 ASX ticker codes that you shoot my way. Really? No, that that would be be good. (laughs) Anyway. So um,
0: everyone, Bryce's personal Instagram handle is uh, <laughs> yes. DM him your investing special skills and that'll be a segment in 2021.
1: I like it. lesky <laughs> is, is that him? my... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brick.leski. Fine. I guess we're doing it. If you, want to, if, you want, <laughs> if, if you want to send me your investing special skill, I am no, available over summer.
0: Don't do it to his personal one. Do it to the equity rates one. That's just because you want to be involved. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I do.
1: <laughs> you're never on Instagram, though, bro.
0: Hey, I, I'm producing memes for our Equity Mates account. True. If anyway. you're not true. If you're not signed up to our Equity Mates Instagram, that should be how you start the year off right. Start 2021 off by going to the Equity Mates Instagram and subscribing.
1: Absolutely. So, Ran Fortescue Metals, it's a company that has obviously been around for a while. You said it's a $60 billion behemoth and is a, as a global leader in the iron ore industry. Not only is it a global leader in the iron ore industry, though, it is recognised for its innovation and leading development in the mining industry. Its main and mines are in Pilbara in Western Australia. Pilbara? Pilbara in Western Australia. And it has been able to successfully leverage its innovation and infrastructure to become the lowest cost supplier of seaborne iron ore to China So if you think about how much iron ore China are buying from Australia and some of the big competitors of Rio and BHP, for it to be the lowest cost supplier puts it in a pretty strong position.
0: Before we get too far into the company, I think if people haven't heard of Fortescue, they've probably heard of its founder, Andrew Forrest, aka Twiggy Forrest. Question without notice, why is he called Twiggy?
1: He avoids stepping. <laughs> he, lo- he loves those twiggy sticks.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> a, a good answer. Sticks, Maybe yeah. we should start that rumor. <laughs>
1: nah, it's because
0: he was skinny, apparently, as a kid. All oh, right. Yeah, your answer was better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fortescue started back in 2003 and has grown to become the fourth largest iron ore producer globally with four operating mines in the Pilbara under two major project areas. And it has production capacity of about 175 million tonnes per annum, and that puts it, I think, as producing the 7% of total iron ore capacity. We'll get into that a bit later on. But it delivers its product through integrated seaborne transportation through Port Headland and delivers straight through to its major customers in China. One of its largest customers is Baowu Steel Group. Interestingly, they were the first customer for Fortescue and have been a longstanding customer of there for the last 10 years. So, Good on them. Good partnership building by Fortescue or Twiggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think we'll we'll get into this later, but obviously Fortescue is heavily exposed to the Chinese market, both yeah. in terms of the iron ore prices driven in many cases by Chinese demand and Fortescue are primarily selling to Chinese buyers. We're all living through these escalating trade tensions at the moment, so... It will be interesting to see how that affects Fortescue going forward. But let's get to that in due course.
1: So in terms of its operations, it runs a number of large mines. We're not going to go into too much detail for all of them, but just to list them, Chichester. Chichester Hub is in the heart of the Pilbara It's a wholly owned mine. They also are involved in one called the Solomon Hub, which is also around a similar area to the Chichester Hub, about 120 kilometres west, over in Western Australia. They've got a Western Hub, and then they've also got another one, a joint project called the Iron Bridge Magnetite Project.
0: They do have more projects. I'm going to say if you want to see all of their projects, Wikipedia has them all, or, or their investor presentations. But yeah, the long and the short of it is that they're an iron ore company, so they're not a diversified miner, and they're the fourth largest iron ore producer in the world after BHP, Rio, and Brazil's Vale.
1: Yeah, the other big players in this space. So the question is, before we move on to a bit more detail around their outlook and in industry analysis is the COVID impact. You know, we've seen and spoken about a lot of companies in the summer series that have been impacted by COVID. Is this a company that has had significant impact from COVID?
0: No, actually, surprisingly. So Fortescue avoided a lot of the issues of the pandemic. They obviously had to look at, you know, roster changes and PPA for their workers But the mining operations have remained at full capacity and have their full year guidance to the market around their numbers, their revenue numbers and their profit numbers have remained unaffected. So there's actually been two meaningful benefits for Fortescue out of this whole process. The first one is Brazil's Vale has been more heavily affected than the Australian miners. And so one of Fortescue's major competitors has suffered, which is good for Fortescue. The second one is the iron ore price is quite high at the moment. The iron ore price was really high around like 2011. It fell off to, well, probably lost, what, three over three quarters of its value by 2016. It came back in a big way in sort of mid-2019, fell off again. But 2020 has been a good year for iron ore. And obviously Fortescue is so heavily affected by the iron ore price. We're not in the prediction business here. Well, I guess we kind of are. But generally, when countries go into recession, one of the key things that governments do to try and stimulate the economy is build. You know, they build big infrastructure projects. They throw a lot of money around to try and stimulate the economy, try and create jobs and try and get that demand going again. You know, money in people's pockets from these jobs then stimulates other businesses because they're spending that money. And so the virtuous cycle continues. And so with a lot of these countries currently suffering some pretty serious economic slowdowns because of COVID, it wouldn't be a surprise if governments Start announcing big infrastructure projects which should increase demand for steel, which should increase demand for iron ore, which should keep the price high. Mm. And there are obviously a lot of other factors, supply, all that stuff that come into it, but it feels like net basis COVID may have actually been a bit of a positive for Fortescue.
1: Yeah. So a bit of a 101 into what iron ore mining actually is. You've probably seen on the TV or in the newspaper or online, the, the huge mines out in the middle of Australia, over in Western Australia, and the vast amounts of, I guess, black rock that they're digging up. So the iron ore mining industry, consists of companies that mine iron bearing ores and an ore is literally just a natural forming rock that you know has different minerals within it and it is up to these mining companies to extract these ores and also process them to create, I guess, a more concentrated form. They blasted in steel furnaces to actually create steel. So that is sort of the supply chain process. And then that steel is, as Ren just said, is used in construction and infrastructure projects, all sorts of things. So they're like the raw input to to make it all happen.
0: Iron ore plus coal equals steel.
1: There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your your 101 on the iron ore industry.
0: (laughs) So we've touched on competitive and the industry, but let's go a little bit deeper on that. So I think when you're talking about a commodity business, so Fortescue is a commodity business because iron ore is a commodity. Really, if you're a a steel mill, you don't care where you get your iron ore from. There are some differences in quality, but at a high level, iron ore is iron ore is iron ore. And so really the key thing is the price that iron ore is being sold at because that's what is going to affect your fortunes as an iron ore miner. Think like an oil company, like they can do anything and everything under the sun to try and improve their business. But at the end of the day, the oil price is the most important factor because oil is a commodity. So when you're looking at a commodity business, it's a supply and demand play. And when supply is tight or when demand is massive, That's a great time to be in the business because that's when prices are high and when you can make a lot of money. What happens though is that prices generally move in cycles. And if you think about why that's the case, let's say your demand increases. Let's use a real example. In the 2000s, China started building at an unprecedented rate. They needed a lot of steel to build. And so there was a lot of demand for iron ore. And so demand for iron ore went up. And steel producers were willing to pay more for that iron ore. And so that was a really good time for the iron ore price. What happens then is people recognize that the price is high and all of a sudden projects that wouldn't have been profitable become profitable because the price is high or more and more people are investing in the sector, trying to find new mines because the price is so high there's an incentive to create more mines, get more projects up. That increases the supply of iron ore. And then the price reduces because there's more supply. And so those supply and demand dynamics are critical in these commodity businesses. When we're talking about the demand side of iron ore, we're really starting and finishing the sentence with China. China is the largest importer of iron ore globally. I think it's about 70% of global imports go to China, or 70% of world steel goes to China. And so, really, China's appetite dictates the world's price. So yeah, that's really the first thing when we're looking at the industry. You're not actually looking at its competitors. You're looking at who actually wants the stuff, who's buying it. But if you flip it around and you look at the other side of it, you look at the supply side of the industry and we look at Fortescue's major competitors, there's really three other majors and that's BHP, Rio Tinto, and then Brazil's Vale. And iron ore mining, well, I guess mining in general, but iron ore mining we're talking about now is incredibly capital intensive. It costs a lot of money to build a mine, staff a mine, get the ore out of the ground and ship it to where it needs to go. It requires really billions of dollars in capital. And so there's a really massive barrier to entry there for new entrants into the market. And so what you have is a, I guess, an an oligopoly, but you, you really just have four major all multi-billion dollar miners that really dominate the supply of iron ore around the world.
1: Mm. So Ren, demand for Australian iron ore over the next five years is anticipated to be 4%, but you just mentioned there the interplay between supply and demand. And you may remember in 2019, there was a massive dam collapse, the Brumendino dam that dam was owned by vale and i think it's vale vale sorry <laughs> i think <laughs> and, i could be wrong and was pretty catastrophic 270 people died as a result of the collapse and it absolutely destroyed the production capacity for vale which really i guess helped uh, australian miners because the production capacity would have resulted in reduced supply However, the supply is starting to come back on over in Vale's production facilities, so you could imagine that is going to have an impact on the price. It wasn't just Vale. It was BHP as well, wasn't it? I don't know if they were directly involved. There's been a number of dam collapses.
0: Yeah, I might be looking at another one. I'm looking at the Marinara dam collapse.
1: That was 2015, I think.
0: Yeah, you're right, 2015, yeah. 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 Jeez, they need to build better dams.
1: Unfortunately, yeah, there are too many disasters over there. But anyway, in the short term, there is expected to be Some tailwinds for the price of iron ore with the unprecedented stimulus that is coming through as a result of the global pandemic with infrastructure spending and whatnot really being increased by governments around the world, which you can imagine will have a positive effect on the demand for steel. So,
0: I think one other thing that's worth commenting when we're talking about demand is interest rates have never been cheaper. So, money is really cheap for governments and big businesses alike, but mainly governments. When money's cheap, it makes sense to borrow and to build. And so potentially, if this low interest rate environment sticks around for a while, governments will bring forward projects that maybe they have further down the line because they can get money at a cheap rate to build it now. So yeah, I think increasing infrastructure spend because of COVID, also increasing infrastructure spend because money's cheap should drive some demand.
1: So, Ren, before we look at the outlook for Fortescue and have a chat about financials, let's have a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The outlook for Fortescue, I mean, we've touched on it. You know, we can expect some short-term tailwinds because of the, the, you know, COVID and increase in expenditure and and those sorts of things. Is there anything else worth mentioning, Ren?
0: No, I don't think there's much more that we need to talk about in terms of the outlook. I mean, really... Fortescue is a big business but not a complex business it's an iron ore miner it's heavily exposed to the iron ore price there's been people that have asked about is Fortescue going to diversify into other areas of mining other metals stuff like that but the CEO Elizabeth Gaines has sort of I mean, she's been open to it, but it's sort of been like uh, not on the immediate horizon. You know, if the opportunity there and it makes sense, we might do it. But really the outlook, Fortescue have a pipeline of mining projects that are in play or they want to put in play to get more iron ore out of the ground and deliver it mainly
1: to China. And so, the outlook is going to be to do that. So, Ren, let's talk about financials. As you mentioned, the performance of the company is heavily tied to the price of iron ore as they're not really diversified outside of mining iron ore. Earnings can be pretty volatile depending on how the iron ore price is performing and you really are opening up yourself to commodity risk. So this is one of those companies that really fits into the, I guess, the cyclical companies as iron ore price moves up and down, as does the share price of the company, because people are forecasting what impact the change in price is going to have on their ability to continue to run as the lowest cost producer of iron ore in Australia and also deliver profits for their shareholders.
0: Yeah. So when you're in a commodity business and your price moves in cycles, what's the number one thing you can do? Close your eyes. Close your eyes and hope. <laughs> hope that China buys more. No, so if you think, <laughs> if you think about a commodity business, and let's say, to use a, a really simple example, let's say iron ore moves between fifty dollars a ton and $100 a hundred dollars a ton, and you have no real control over that price movement, the best thing that you can do is reduce your costs. So they're always below the $50 a ton number. So when even when prices are at their lowest, you might not be making as much profit, but you're still making some profit. And then as prices go up, you obviously are just making more profit. And that's something that Fortescue's done in a pretty impressive way. They struggled with that. So as we said earlier, iron ore prices previously peaked in 2011, and then they started coming down and they lost you know, it was over a over seventy five, over three quarters down by twenty sixteen. In twenty twelve, Fortescue really started feeling the pinch. They were a lot higher cost producer than they are now. So for every ton of iron ore they got out of the ground, it cost sixty-nine dollars a wet metric ton. Now don't worry about wet and dry metric tons, but that's just an iron ore terminology. In financial year twenty twelve, it cost them sixty nine US dollars a wet metric ton to get iron ore out of the ground. And they really underwent a massive transformation in their business to reduce that number to protect themselves in times of low iron ore prices, I guess. They've got that down to $25 a wet metric ton in financial year 2020. So from 69 now to 25, and they've transformed their business and they've become the lowest cost operator but an operator that can really make money in any market right. environment. And so as a cyclical business, that's that's really what you want to say.
1: Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I would love to dig a little deeper to understand exactly what went on during that sort of period between 2012 and sort of 2015. But to drop from almost, you know, $70 a wet metric tonne down to 23 it's resulted in Fortescue being an incredibly profitable business.
0: Mm. Now, here's the question. So between... 2012 and 2017, they went from $69 to $22. They've gone back up to $25. Should we be worried?
1: Well, look, it's not the 69 that it was, yeah. but uh, <laughs> costs are going up.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's two ways to think about it. One is on an absolute basis, is that $25 a ton less than what you will get from, you know, selling that ton of iron ore? And right now it is, which is great. The second thing is on a relative basis. And if your costs are lower than your competitors, even if you're losing money, you'll be losing less money, which in theory should allow you to last longer, Mm. all other things being equal.
1: So not only have they reduced their costs of doing business, they've also been able to increase their processing and production as well as obviously their shipments. So the two together have really delivered some pretty impressive earnings results since that sort of 2012 period. Since then, they've had earnings growth at an annualized rate of 21%. And dividends have have grown at a rate of 47% since FY 2012. So that's just a net result of the lowering cost of production and increased production and shipments. So look, strong profitability, good cash flow generation, the ability to, I guess, perform well when iron ore prices are at their lowest point leads to a pretty favorable balance sheet run, and a company that i will probably pay a bit more attention yeah, to <laughs> yeah
0: i mean you mentioned balance sheet there in terms of cleaning up their balance sheet in 2015 they had net debt of nine billion dollars that's now 300 million wow so they've <laughs> reduced their costs to produce iron ore massively They've increased the amount that they're pulling out of the ground, their production, and they've really cleaned up their balance sheet and paid off a lot of their debt. I mean, it's been a pretty impressive few years for Fortescue.
1: Three hundred million is their net debt. Twiggy's two thousand and twenty dividend payment was <laughs> one point one billion.
0: Wow!
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Dividend payment. Yeah.
0: He could pay off well the net amount of their debt. And still get one of the biggest dividends in Australia.
1: It's because they pay a dollar a share, I think, was their latest dividend. And I think he owns, obviously, a billion or so shares, maybe. But anyway.
0: They paid a dollar a share dividend. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Their share price is what? 18 and a half bucks.
1: Yeah. But anyway, Twiggy's doing well for himself. That that <laughs> yield is incredible. It is good yield, yeah. We'll take it offline. I actually heard a podcast the other day of a company that has incredible yield, but let's uh let's let's close <laughs> let's close this Sorry, you'll tease everyone with that, <laughs> but you hanger. won't reveal. <laughs> if you if you want to know, hit us up on Instagram. With your investing special skill as well. With your investing special skill. <laughs> let's turn to valuation because we haven't really discussed how to value a commodities business. No. It's very difficult to do given the fact that you really have to try and anticipate the cyclical nature of commodities and the iron ore price over the next five, ten years. So Mm. it is difficult, but we have gone about it.
0: The first thing to introduce is when we normally talk about a discounted cash flow we assume that these businesses are going to be lasting concerns forever. You see what they're currently at, you assume a growth rate for the next five or 10 years or whatever you want to do. And then you assume a terminal growth rate, which is really an indefinite growth rate. And it's because it's so hard to forecast growth out from a certain period of time. You know, 10 years from now, you have no idea what a lot of these companies are doing. So you normally put that growth rate at around inflation, but there's no end date to that cash generation of the business. You expect it to just last forever. With mining and mining companies and, you know, oil and gas businesses, you do a discounted cash flow, but it's a little bit different because the end dates of their mines or their oil rigs are a little bit more known. The companies have an idea of how much iron ore is in the ground and they, they might say, you know, this mine's got another five years life, another 10 years life, another 30 years life, whatever it is, but there's a more definitive end date. So when you're doing a discounted cash flow, you take a slightly different approach. And what you do is you project out the cash flow that will be generated over the life of the mine or the asset, whatever it is. So let's take a simple example. Let's say we've got a mine, it's got 10 more years life, and we know that every year we'll be able to get a hundred metric tons out of the ground. So then you overlay that 100 metric tons for the next 10 years with what you project the price to be over that 10 year period, net out their costs to pull that 100 metric tons out of the ground every year, and then you can say well all right, well this will be the cash that is generated for each of the years that the mine is still operating. And then what you do is you just do a discounted cash flow on that 10 years of cash that's generated. So there's no it's not indefinite, it, there's a definitive end date. So the, the exercise is a little bit easier. Now, we haven't done that for Fortescue. Instead, what we've done is we've relied on analysts to do it for us. And we've had a look at some of their discounted cash flows and what they're thinking about you know, Fortescue's mines that are in operation now that may come into operation in the future and what the value of the future cash discounted back to today is worth. Given there's a pretty wide range of estimates on what the iron ore price will do, there's a pretty wide range of valuations out there. Some of the more bearish analysts around what they think the iron ore price will do value Fortescue around that $13 mark, whereas some of the more bullish analysts that think the iron ore price will be really strong in the coming years value Fortescue around the $26 mark. So the range that you sort of see from analysts is between sort of thirteen dollars and twenty six dollars. Fortescue is currently trading at eighteen and a half dollars and so or eighteen twenty three to be specific. So it really sits in the middle of that range.
1: Nice. That was fun. I really enjoyed talking about Fortescue. Certainly going to be paying a little bit more attention to it. It's something, to be honest, that has never really been of interest to me. But this is just a great example of a good company that just keeps plugging away good operators, obviously good management. They know what they're doing and have developed a business that seems to be able to survive pretty well in a cyclical Mm. That sort of environment
0: i want some of that 1.1 billion dollar dividend I oh, know, crazy <laughs>
1: crazy one day one day
0: so before we wrap up i want to ask you a question because ethical investing is obviously a big focus for the equity mates community it's a big focus for both of us other than that gambling stock
1: that you not true
0: you talk about but where does fortescue fall for you on ethical v unethical
1: you're really putting me into the public light here, but I know, uh, I <laughs> it doesn't sit well with me in terms of how I feel about the broader issue of climate change. So I would have to say that it's an unethical company in my eyes. Okay. Interesting. Hmm.
0: For me, the gut reaction is the same. Like mining companies for me get grouped. Steel production most of the time uses coal and you know is carbon intensive. So for those reasons, instant gut reaction, you say unethical. But at the same time, like, no one is saying we need to move away from steel. Well, even if people were, like, do we have a ready-made alternative to steel? So then I err back on the side of, well, it's not like a BHP or Rio that are mining coal. It's a company that's only mining iron ore. Mm. And then I think maybe it, it is more ethical. It's definitely more ethical than a coal miner, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a grey area.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, we'll have to think some more about it. Maybe we'll have to get an ethical investor back on, maybe Adam Vale from say, Future they'll, Super. They'll definitely
1: say it's no. You but reckon? anyway, yeah,
0: 100%. Well, then maybe we challenge them and say, "Well, what would our world be without steel?"
1: True true. (laughs) Massive thank you to Daniel, as I said at the start of the show, who helped us with the research and analysis with that. It was a a great piece of work. So thank you very much. And uh, also thank you to our sponsors, Superhero, the new broker in town offering $5 brokerage, flat fee, and also $0 on ETFs, $0 brokerage on ETF. So if you Want to build your core portfolio, or if you want to add Fortescue to your satellite portfolio, head to superhero.com.au for more information and to sign up. We're almost there, we're getting through them. It's been fun. We well, are, yeah, I'm enjoying this. We'll chat next week. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional.